Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. And I'm talking to you on a road in front of a truck that looks like the front end of this thing looks like it comes from Stephen King, that movie Maximum Overdrive. Look at the grill of that thing behind us. <laughs> it looks like a big opening. Yeah. Looks like he wants anyway, to eat well, us. Yes. Welcome to the show, the big show. The most important and critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our car. And here we are traveling, we're trundling down the road. We're on I-70 at the moment. One of our nation's great arteries. And we are... Maybe it's a lymph vessel. <laughs> oh, lymph freaks me out. Ever since I watched the, the movie... Uh, uh, the, um, the one where you go to the inside of the body. Um, yeah, the miniaturized Fantastic uh, Voyage. There it is. Yeah, with the one with Ra- Raquel Welch in it. Yeah, where they uh, miniaturized the sub and put it inside the human, and they almost all got sucked down the lymph lymph nodes. Mm-hmm. I, nah. I, I've always had trouble. Ever since I watched that movie, I've had trouble with the lymphatic system. Lymph flow is important because it's... An important aspect of your immune system. I know, but it's it's scary freaky. And Dr. Andrew Taylor still realized that back in the 1870s. Dr. Andrew Taylor still. Andrew now that's, Taylor still. Now come on now. That's you're pulling that you're pulling that out your hat, aren't you? I am pulling that out of Kirksville, Missouri, the birthplace of osteopathic medicine. Okay, in North Missouri. I'll tell you what, in North Missouri, we may not know much. But we know what an osteopathic doctor is. There's no question about it. In fact, Kirksville, Missouri, one of the main drags in town, has a street name called Osteopathy. What is? Why are we talking about this on the 3BY, the, this prepping podcast? What, what in the world has a type of, a rather obscure type of medicine got to do with prepping? Well, listen on, and we'll tell you, because it actually does. The mindset of modern osteopathy is very compatible with proper needs and proper living. First, for those of you who don't live in North Missouri, let me give you the uh, short form here. Osteopathic physicians are full-on medical physicians. They're licensed to practice just like... uh, other medical doctors in the U.S., they prescribe like drugs, they can specialize and become surgeons or whatever kind of specialty they want to specialize in, although because of their philosophical bent, they have a higher percentage of people who go into primary care and fi- family medicine and internal medicine, and a relatively lower proportion that go into the uh, very much body mechanic kind of specialties like Oh, neurosurgery and cardiac surgery and the extremely drug-intensive oncology, stuff like that. Now, you will see a lot of osteopaths that go into obstetrics, and you will see a lot of osteopaths in sports medicine. Yeah, Those they're are two, awesome you know, at that, by yeah, the way. Sports medicine people, they're great. Now, you think, well, a, an osteopath, how would I know if my doctor's an osteopath? Well, one way you could know is by asking him or getting reading his card or when you go to the office. If you see MD, he is not an osteopath. He's a medical doctor. If you see DO, however. That stands for doctor of osteopathy. Doctor of osteopathy. And it, it has the same, I know some MDs are cringe when I say this, but it has the same exact level of education. 
Yes. It's, it is actual medical school. You go to medical school. It is a medical school. It's a certified, there are certified medical schools. Um, and they're, but they're just, they have a different focus. And that focus is part of the reason we're bringing this up. And they have one additional treatment modality that is not common among medical doctors. And that treatment modality is also one of the reasons we thought to put it in a prepping podcast. Now, to, to be fair, we will have to say we are osteopathy converts. Because we've, I mean, if you're in North Missouri, there's a very good chance your doctor is an osteopath. It's just because they're... This is the home of osteopathy. It was invented here. It was invented in Kirksville by Andrew Taylor Still. They have a medical school in Kirksville. Not surprisingly, it is Andrew Taylor Still University of Medicine. They have an osteopathic school. Yes. Which is Andrew Taylor's University of Osteopathic Medicine. medicine. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still a medical school. Uh they don't call it that because they graduate DOs, not MDs. But it is but a they, medical school. <laughs> they have fully qualified physicians graduating out of it. Thank you. And I've had it's parts also... chopped out of me by, by some of them. They did a great job, you know. Real <laughs> doctors. They also have a, have a dental school, too. Yes. So, um, and so you might wonder, well, what, what is it? Is, is, are you talking about chiropractors? Is that what you're talking about here? No. A chiropractor is a cold, totally different animal. Not completely and entirely different, but pretty different. They both use body manipulation. They're both backcrackers. And I know that's just a, you know, I don't really, actually, chiropractors really are backcrackers. Osteopaths tend to use a lot more gentle, low-pressure techniques to manipulate the skeletal system than most chiropractors who do. But... uh in some ways, they're a little bit similar, but in most ways, they're not. For example, a chiropractor is can be very good at like aligning your back and relieving stress and relieving pain. But, but that's the only tool in his toolbox. He's not a physician. Right. He's a guy who does chiropractic. And I tend to think, and I'm not disrespecting chiropractors because some of what they do is very good. Yeah, and they're they're valuable for what they do but when the when the only tool you you have is a hammer all problems start to look like a nail and so they overestimate what osteopathic well they call it chiropractic of course what manipulation can do in terms of changing bodily status manipulation is really great for it cures some kinds of problems straight up and does it beautifully well and we're going to give you examples here. Yeah. We're not just going to leave you hanging. What are these people talking about? It'd so why don't we go ahead and just start in and give them examples, let them sink their teeth into it. Okay. Stuff that it cures are problems that arise from misalignment of the joints or blockages of nerve pathways or blood vessels or lymph vessels that occur from misalignment of the skeletal system, of the musculoskeletal system. That's the sort of stuff manipulation can cure. And you know, you may think, well, you know, so so yeah. No, really, this is a this is a legit serious thing because a lot of a lot of times there's misalignment or non optimal alignment 
if you will. And if you get all your Okay, I, I'm not the person to be describing this. I'm gonna. Can you describe like the back and all the stuff running through the back and all the different, you know, because it's got all those little holes. What all that stuff is and the alignment and how that works. And go ahead. Well, the vertebral column is first of all supporting the weight of the upper body, but there's a hollow down the middle of the vertebral column where the spinal cord runs, and the spinal cord is all the nerves. Well, all the tracts is what they're technically called. Parts of nerve cells and nerve cells that go from the brain and end up communicating with the distant parts of the body below the neck, all of that runs through the spinal cord. So how your brain communicates with everything below the head is by running the wires down through the spinal cord. And it's not just the wires that run that way. No, because as you go down, you, of course, have to have some of the wires sprout out so they can go out to the tissues. The nerves that serve the arms have to jump out of the spinal cord and go over to the arms. And the ones that serve the heart and guts have to come out at those levels. So between every pair of bones in the vertebral column, you've got gaps where spinal nerves come out. And that's where fibers from the spinal cord are entering or leaving the spinal cord to go out to the peripheral parts of the body. You've also got uh, blood vessels that serve those tissues, and you've got lymph that serves those tissues, and inside the, the column of hollow, inside the spinal column, place where the spinal cord runs, it's got this connective tissue jacket around it, and that jacket is filled with cerebrospinal fluid, so that the brain and the spinal cord actually float literally, in cerebrospinal fluid, and that's in there too. And if, the, if you ever have to get a, heaven forbid, have to get a spinal tap, that's what they're actually they're doing. They're taking some of the cerebrospinal fluid out to see what's going on with the fluid that's bathing your cord and uh, brain, because if you've got an infection in the brain and stuff, they, those things are likely to show up in the cerebrospinal fluid. So if your bones of your skeletal system get out of whack, especially along the spinal column, it can be bad in a couple of ways. One is the strictly mechanical thing of your weight-bearing structures aren't lined up to take weight right. And you get pain and you get weakness and things like that from that problem. The other is that you've got those nerves sprouting and coming out between every pair of bones. So sometimes when one bone shifts relative to the other bone, it can pinch or impede either the nerves coming in and out or the uh, blood vessels going in and out, or something like that. You've heard of people having pinched nerves. That's what they're usually talking about, is a nerve is getting squished a little bit because the two bones it runs between have become misaligned relative to each other. And it's not just the vertebral column. Other joints can become misaligned, too, and that makes them not work right, and it causes pain, and it causes them to move in funky ways and be more prone to injury. And you lose the ability, I mean, you lose some movement on it, you lose some flexibility on it, uh, you lose all kinds of stuff. Now, somebody in this car, and I'm not going to say who, I'm not going to say which one of us, uh, actively plays and has played for years a full contact sport. And this women's full contact sport, oh gosh, I guess I gave it away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This woman's full contact sport has left me slammed into by people half my size or twice my size with 
regularity. A lot. Um, I've met the floor a lot. I've landed in some amazing spaghetti piles of bodies. You know, it, it's something that happens in a full contact sport. Um, the team physician for my sports team is, is a gentleman, excellent human being, who um, volunteered to not only be the sports med physician for our team, but he trains a bunch of uh, medical students in the art. and Osteopathic students. Yeah. And sorry. Yep, you're right. It, it's hard not to use the language that way. The thing is, full contact sports for women are kind of rare. So the kinds of issues that we run into in my sport are different than you see anywhere. So we make an excellent training bed for sports medicine practitioners of manipulation because you see weird things in, in my sport you don't see everywhere. So he comes and he brings his students and he teaches them how to fix this up. And it is astounding how much good that a good osteopathic manipulation can do to relieve some of the problems that are caused by hard physical exertion and collisions and things like that. Yeah, it's kind of funny, too. You know, sometimes being a being a, a no-pay amateur sport where everybody's got a life and everybody's trying to, you know, live their own life and still be a part of the team, you know, you got practices, you got stuff like that. And one way to make sure everybody shows up, if it's going to be a dock night where the docks are going to be there, because everybody's like, oh, I've got to show up and get my treatments because I'll feel better when we're done. Yeah. And you may be coming in with something entirely unrelated, like headaches. It's not from the active sport at all, but it's amazing how much they can do to relieve pain and make you feel better. An example of how this applies to prepping. Yes. So everybody has their own skeletal quirks and their own tendency to develop certain problems. I tend to get a problem with my hip joint now and then. And I've had it fixed by the osteopathic manipulators several times over the past few years. And I paid attention to exactly, you know, how it feels when I get this particular problem, and how they go about fixing it. So I'm out walking on the uh, ice and snow one morning, and I slip a little bit on the ice, and I land funny, and I get my leg joint halfway out of position. It didn't quite dislocate, but it came fairly close to dislocating, which left me with one leg considerably shorter than the other for a while. And I had to kind of limp home, and I was in considerable pain, and I couldn't walk well, a lot of people in the U.S. would go to a physician for that, and they would, you know, maybe try the reduced activity bed rest and drugs thing for a few weeks and see if that worked. But instead, I just instructed Salty on exactly how the docs fixed that particular problem and walked him through it step by step. Here, honey, pull my leg. Yeah. Yeah, move <laughs> it this way, way, move it that way. Now, you give this... Pull give it a, a little bit. Give this, it a firm pressure, not firm, really yank yeah. or pull or, you know. And boom, there it is. Yeah. And the thing, it, it didn't have to crack. Cracking is not necessary. It just slipped back to where it belonged, and the pain was instantly relieved. And a, a tiny bit of muscle soreness the next day. Other than that, I was perfectly well. <laughs> so this, this fix is going to work for me now. It's 
expected to work for me for as long as I live, even if I don't have access to medical care again, we can fix uh, that problem. Right. So, and a lot of what they do with the, in the sports realm, and this is a lot, actually a lot of osteopathy, It's because it's a really related uh, to a lot of what they teach in martial arts and some of the other uh, body-oriented uh, training methods is stretching and proper alignment and how to adequately get ready to participate in a sport. Now, you're talking about prepping. Well, you may not be doing a quote-unquote sport. You may be chopping wood, but you should still stretch before you chop wood. How many 50-plus-year-old women do you know who can go out and spend a day chopping wood and stuff and come back feeling perfectly good other than tired, you know, not hurt, not sore muscles, didn't tear anything? course some things went wrong and i got into some weird situations and but instead of being injured i I wasn't injured because i had i have a habit of stretching and it stretched ahead of time certainly in in playing my sport there have been some falls i've taken that you would look at and see oh man that had to break something but no yeah uh i've survived a lot of those so far Although it is funny, I've, uh, I was talking to Doc here a couple of years ago, and he was saying, you know, in my practice over the last 30 years, I probably uh, had five dislocated shoulders, because it's not something you normally see in the office, had five dislocated shoulders. And here with you guys, I've had five dislocated shoulders in the last year, just you guys. Hey, he got a lot of practice in reducing dislocations. Yeah. Although one of them was, it was funny, one of them was a referee that was showing off at halftime. <laughs> yeah. He fell and dislocated his shoulder. That was kind of hilarious. But give, give the guy credit. He finished it out. Even he finished with, the game. Yeah, finished the game. That's pretty impressive. Well, his dislocation was reduced in about five minutes because Doc, Doc was, was there. right there. Yeah. Came out and took care of it. Um, so, if you know what kind of physical problem you tend to have, and a lot of people tend to get these lower back issues or leg issues, um, some of my teammates have rib issues where ribs tend to come out and then they're uncomfortable and feel like they can't breathe very well when they're working hard. Uh, sometimes those have been caused by the sport, sometimes they've been caused by other kinds of physical work they're doing. So, everybody's got their issues they tend to fall into. If you're seeing somebody who's good at manipulation and have them not only do it, but pay attention to how they're doing it and have them explain to you how they're, how you're doing it, you can often replicate a lot of that on your own or have somebody else help you with the problem or that you can have them teach you ways to make it less likely for the problem to reoccur. And, uh, Doc has recommended specific exercises for various of my teammates who have particular problems that have allowed them to strengthen their weak spots so that what used to be a recurring injury now doesn't happen because they've figured out how to get it avoided. And you can do all that 
that'll last you after the medical care is no longer available. Right. Now, this is one of the things that I wanted to bring up here is, you know, you may not have ever heard of osteopathy, but I think it, it might be something you want to look up. Find an osteopath, if you, especially if you have any of these, like a chronic back pain or your hip tends to be funky all the time. Or, chronic headaches are another reason. Yeah, headaches are another reason. Not every kind of headache is amenable to this kind of treatment, but some of them are. So find an osteopath, go to the osteopath, and don't just go there and explain your complaint, but ask him, what can I do? Because they are far more likely to give you real-world advice of, well, come back and, you know, uh, come back and see me 25 times and and uh, we'll set up a payment plan. If you get that kind of person, that's generally not an osteopath. If you get that kind of person, I'm not going to mention who that's more likely to be, but um, they advertise. I would be walking. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's 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 your that's your thing to walk. If you ask an osteopath, more than likely they're going to tell you exactly what it is you need to do, and then just start doing it. That brings up the second major difference between osteopaths and medical doctors. As physicians, mindset, in that a lot of medical doctors are kind of trained with the mindset of find out what's broken, fix what's broken. It's a very mechanical kind of mindset. Of course, they're working with physiology instead of, you know, metal bits, but the approach is the same. Something in there is broken, fix that thing, and you're good. Osteopathy's original mindset comes from a position of this is a whole human being. Uh, something's definitely wrong to cause the problem, but your goal is to treat the whole human being, not to just treat in isolation the one body part that seems to be the problem. Doc is saying all the time, if you're feeling pain in this particular joint and nothing seems to be, nothing's obviously causing it from there, well, what's likely causing the problem is a shift in tensions and weight-bearing and something else from some other joint up the line. Everything is connected to everything else, and that mindset is threaded more thoroughly through osteopathic training than it is through uh, most medical school training. So they're more likely to think about psychological issues, and they're more likely to think about diet and exercise and stress and how different uh, medical problems that are treated by different medical specialists might interplay with each other. They have a more whole human being approach than broken part approach approach right now they do have the whole big can of of uh, medicine that they can use they they yes they're, they're, and they do yeah they can prescribe or whatever you need uh, that's one of the problems that i have with chiropractic and i'm not here to bash chiropractic i mean chiropractic is for what it is good at is very good but one of the things that an osteopath can do that a chiropractor just can't is when the osteopath is doing the examination, they see, okay, this is probably caused by an infection. Well, let's get you on the proper medication to knock this infection out. Everything isn't, they aren't hammers and every problem isn't a nail. So they've got the full toolbox, they got, so they're yeah, more they willing the to see and they're not looking the whole range of problems yeah. and, and deal with it. Because a from lot of times angle. a lot of times you may be dealing with a problem that is a symptom of something else. 
not actually just the real root of the problem. And when you don't have the full toolbox, you just, I mean, you're just going to do what you can do. And so that's, you know, if I, if anybody's a chiropractor out there and I've offended you, I'm sorry, but that's just the way I see it. And they're less likely than medical doctors just to throw a single prescription at a single problem and tell you to have a nice day. They're more likely to look at everything that's going on and make sure that the answer they're coming up with makes sense in light of the whole person. And the other drugs you might be taking, for example, they're more likely to think more deeply about that. They're more likely to think about things like physical therapy as a uh, recovery approach than simple drug treatment or something like that. Frankly, they're more likely to spend more time with you. Yeah. Their time on of contact with patients is higher than most MDs. And I'm not bashing MDs. MDs do a great job. I mean, I'm walking upright because of a, of a, of a fantastic surgeon. I mean, you know, I've got no complaints with them. It's just when it comes to prepping, as great as MDs are, you really kind of have to have one around. To get the benefit of them. To get the benefit of them. Yeah. Whereas some of this other stuff you can learn for yourself. And the best way to do it is to ask them and talk to them about it when you're needing treatment or whatever. You can also do the same thing with physical therapists, by the way. Yes. If what you have is a musculoskeletal type of issue, a lot of time physical therapy will be set up to help you resolve issues, recover from surgeries, things like that. Physical therapists also have a very good track record in of the ones I've known in being excited about helping people figure out how to keep nice and flexible, how to do good recovery, how to continue doing the right things on your own. They know they've got a limited number of times they can see a person, especially physical therapists who are often insurance limited and how many times... The insurance company will pay for the physical therapist. That's often as many times as they're going to see the patient, frankly. But they want you to continue to improve, so they'll help teach you how to do the right things. Same kind of mindset. Oh, don't mind me. I'm kind of pull over and slow down because we had an ah. ambulance coming through. Yes, I had noticed we'd slowed down and had moved over, and I was peeking around trying to figure out what the heck was going on. Yeah. Ambulance, so. Anywho, that's pretty much what we wanted to say about osteopathy. If you have any questions, well, Google osteopathy and it'll, um, or DuckDuckGo them, (laughs) (laughs) and they'll, uh, your questions will be answered. And look up Andrew Taylor still. He was an interesting fellow, very interesting fellow. And for those of us who actually care about such things as, uh, women's uh, being treated fairly. Andrew Taylor Still was one of the very first founders of making women doctors. Yeah, he had a lot of his early physicians were women, which was very unusual at the time. Yeah. Uh, he actually was not a big fan of traditional medical practices. He no. relied much more heavily on osteopathic manipulation. But guys, it was the 1870s. Traditional medical practices stank on ice. They were horrible. They bleeding and purging was three quarters of what they did. It was 
awful. Right. So as, the fact that he was not a big fan of that, uh, not a thing. As osteopathy developed, developed at real medical practice got to be actually helpful, the osteopaths in, incorporated into that without leaving their osteopathic manipulation and mindset behind. So there you have it. Welcome to osteopathy. If you haven't heard of it, check it out. Look it up. It's cool stuff. So we'll talk to you later and have a good one.